Welcome to Let's Connect. My name is Keith McPherson, and I'm so glad you've decided to join me for this next episode of the podcast. Today on the show, I'm joined by Mandy Morris, an incredible coach and thought leader and author. Mandy is here to share a little bit about how to manifest from a place of love and create the life you want. So sit back, relax, and let's connect. Hey everyone, I hope you're having a great week wherever you are on the planet. Today, I'm really, really looking forward to introducing you to somebody that I've recently just come to learn about as well, Mandy Morris. Um, I was I was contacted by Mandy's uh, publicist a few months ago, and she said, you've got to have Mandy on your, your show. She's an incredible woman. And I've come to find Mandy's work really, really transformative. She is known, I guess, best as the international best-selling author of a book called Love, It's How I Manifest. Um, she also has uh, an amazing program called the Authentic Program Series, and she's doing training and coaching and leading coaches all around the world. Um, so today on the show, we're going to hear a little bit more about her work as a coach and her methodologies about how to combine science and love-based coaching to create lasting change in our lives. Um, so this is going to be really, really fun. Before we dive into the conversation with Mandy, I wanted to just remind you all that uh, coming up in June, I'm going to be co-leading uh, a weekend workshop just south of San Francisco near Santa Cruz, California at a place called Multi-University, 1440 Multiversity, um, with Summer McStravick, who I had on the show a few weeks ago. Uh, we're going to be doing a weekend all about clearing out the blocks that are getting in the way from living the life that you're being called to live. And it's something that um, Summer calls flow dreaming, and it's something that I call living mindfully aware being a mindful leader in your own life. So tickets are now available for the weekend. It's a beautiful place in the California Redwoods. And you can find out more information about this on my website, keithmcpherson.ca. If you happen to be listening where I live in Winnipeg, I was just looking into flights and right now there's an amazing seat sale on where I found Winnipeg to San Francisco return for $300. Um, so this could be a very, very affordable getaway for many of you to come and do some important work in a beautiful setting and uh, to just soak in the love vibes. Speaking of Mandy and love vibes, Mandy Morris is here and she is definitely working from that place of love and vibe and there's just so much to be shared. So let's get into that interview with Mandy. I invite you to sit back and relax and take in this beautiful conversation with Mandy Morris. All right. Well, I'm here with Mandy Morris. Uh, she's joining us live from, I believe, California today. Mandy, welcome to Let's Connect, the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's great to connect with you. I've uh, been learning a little bit about your story, and I'm really excited to share some of this with uh, the listeners today. Um, <laughs> awesome. Yeah, yeah. Can you share it just right off the hop? Um, I, I want to hear just a little bit about the work that you're doing in the world around science and love-based methods for creating instant and lasting change in people's lives. How does that look? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it, it looks different every day, let me tell you that much. But um, I kind of got started in this realm when I was studying, a lot of self-studying, and I was really fortunate to work underneath some really incredible minds um, underground in the world, if you will. And we were studying a lot of psychosomatic illnesses. And so for those who don't know what psychosomatic means, it's basically diseases that are manifested through our thoughts, through our mind, you know, the way that our brains become patterned throughout life, and then they manifest a physical ailment. So I was studying that, and um, it kind of led me down this path of putting together all the pieces from psychology that I've learned, physics, you know, kind of meta and quantum, and then just this, literally the ability to physically manifest within our bodies, and then span that outwardly of, well, how do we actually change our lives? How do we live better lives? So we call it manifestation because our thoughts do create our reality, but it's so much deeper than that. There's a science and a psychology to it. So I really got started in figuring out how can I get people to, you know, kind of reverse the problems they've created in their physical bodies. And then it spanned out to reversing that in their emotional and you know psychological lives. Wow, that's amazing. I um I know that your story didn't begin doing this work. Like I was reading back that you were in Arizona <laughs> 
working. Tell me a little bit about that. Like where, where did this all begin for you? Yeah. So I had a crazy childhood. Um, my parents split when I was really young and I went through some things that not all kids should have to go through. And so that led to me really shutting off my light and a lot of my intelligence and trying to make myself kind of undesirable, if you will. And um, throughout my adolescent years, made plenty of bad decisions and really got away from who I was, you know, my my authentic core self. And in my early 20s, I became just really depressed, really lost, um, people pleasing, working jobs that really weren't for me, um, you know, feeling like that itch of I know there's something else I could be doing or I should be doing, but I don't have the courage or the belief in myself or even the self-love to give that to me. And so I surrounded myself with um, you know, druggies and people who were in and out of jail and just unhealthy um, relationships, all kinds of stuff. Were you, and I'm just curious, were you conscious at the time that you were doing that or was that just like what life was like for you? You know, it's so weird when you're in that space, it's like, you know, you're doing wrong or you're not living like your, your best life, you could say, uh-huh. but you're also like completely disconnected. It's like there's saran wrap where you can't actually get through to change it. Oh, wow. Yeah. So yeah, so that that kind of created a downward spiral in my life and you know, just my mental health was just not there anymore as much as I understood physics. And I had, you know, multiple degrees, some of them in psychology. I wasn't actually applying anything that I was learning. It was so like logical, but it wasn't actually embedding into you know, my heart or anything that I was doing on the daily as much as I was trying. And so I lived in Arizona most of my life, worked in a junkyard. Um, it was crazy, crazy work that I did and then, uh, got myself into a more corporate position and was actually transferred over to Florida. And that was when things started changing. That's when I became so aware of the life that I'd created for myself and how I'd used my past to be a victim. Hmm. And that was when real change started happening. Wow. And what was the turning point like in Florida for you that got you back on this path? It was such a weird moment. I'll never forget it. I was sitting in my little one-bedroom condo. When I first moved there, I didn't have enough money for um, any furniture. So I'm living on like a foam pad, and I had a cardboard box that I flipped upside down, and I was using that as my desk. Huh. And I remember sitting there um, for like 30 days. You know, of course, I eventually got furniture. And for about 30 days, though, I had, you know, just slept on the floor, and I was so liberated, and I was so happy. And then all of a sudden, all my patterns and all my programming from, you know, my life in Arizona that I thought I'd ran away from found me all over again. And I was like dropping to my knees this one night and crying, you know, just completely like self-pity mm. and was like, God, universe, whatever, I'm, I'm here to do something. And this is not it. Like I can tell that I'm so off track, but I have zero idea how to get myself in the right space. Please remove everyone, everything. I'm okay with living, you know, in a treehouse for the rest of my life or joining the Peace Corps or whatever I'm supposed to do. I'm not attached to money or relationships or even having children if that's not for me. But please bring me some sense of peace because I don't think I can do this much longer. And there was something in that moment, like something really pure about that intention that shifted everything. And man, things rapidly started changing. Things rapidly started getting removed. What do you think happened? Like in that process to to shift it? I I think there was a part of me that finally let go of all the crap that I was holding on to. You know, I think that a lot of us as humans were like, well, I want this, but I don't really want to let go of this. Or, you know, I want to be able to keep this part of like my unhealthy programming, but I want my best life. And I think in that moment, I was like, just became really real looking myself in the mirror of like, this is not working. You're Mandy, you're, you're doing this to yourself. So you either fully step into your truth or you shut down your life forever. And it was kind of a defining moment of, I choose to fully surrender. Wow. I think so many people find themselves in that state, like constant, like where we're in that tension between, you know, living safer in our patterns and then that tension of knowing that there's more and knowing that there's like this life purpose and that constant battle between the two and, and as I'm listening to you that's ex- that was an extreme moment of transformation it sounds like where you went from shifting all those old patterns into this whole new way of being in the world incredible yeah yeah, yeah. and it was where I kind of put the stake in the ground and said it's just never I'm never going to go backwards again I will always like I'll never give up again, I guess. Wow. So from there, um, what changed? What what started happening? 
Well, apparently my job and the state of Florida <laughs> and my relationship were all not part of that, uh, the grand scheme of things. So all of that was removed very fast, um, whether I like it or not. I actually remember talking to my boss at the time. She was a wonderful person. But when I told her, I was like, I, I have to leave this job. And I was very good at it. I said, I have to leave this job. I just, there's something in me. And if I don't try to run for it now, I don't think I ever will. Wow. And I remember her saying, Mandy, just settle, just settle, settle, settle. And all I could hear was like, you know, the, her being kind of the vessel of truth of, are you going to settle for this life huh. or are you going to choose? And I was like, no, I will not settle. And I, I was like, I'm done. I'm done. And so, uh, you know, I removed all of those things. It was a very courageous thing for me because I was very much a people pleaser mm. and, you know, left a very unhealthy relationship that I was in. And I mean, literally, I'd say within like 30 days, um, my now yeah. husband, showed up in my life. He became my best friend. And eventually we fell in love. I finally decided I'm going to start a business of helping people. And I just started believing in myself and loving myself for probably the first time actually healing. Wow. That's amazing. And so when you moved into like the, this line of work that you're now doing, like how did that all begin? You started that with your husband, did you say? Well, not particularly with him, but when I met him, you know, he was such a bright light for me. He kind of, through his energy, you know, he showed me that I deserved a beautiful life and that it was mine for the taking should I choose it. And he really kind of held the light for me um, in those first few months of me just kind of wanting to go back into protect myself and, you know, who am I to help the world and all the things that I was telling myself. And he really kind of kept shoving me in the light of you are, you're going to do this or it's going to be painful if you don't. And so, I mean, I owe so much of, of this beautiful life I have now to him in that sense that he kind of held that for me. But my work really came from every day I would wake up and it sounds so cliche now I, I understand, but it really, I really did do this and wake mm -hmm. up every morning. And I was like a nut with journaling and I would write down what does the world need of me today that I can give. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that would be like throwing a video up on social media or, you know, writing about how to unwire your thoughts or just telling someone that I loved them or, you know, whatever I could do. And I honored it and it got me so in tune with myself and then such an intuitive space by just honoring those truths within me of maybe I just need to sit and eat pizza all day in bed. And that's cool, too. <laughs> and I just need to heal and whatever it was, I would honor it. And um, I think that that really just continued to snowball in a positive way of me being able to know myself and understand people and understand the pain that we go through and why we get stuck and how to get out of it. You know, I spent a lot of time reverse engineering the process of how humans think and it's helped me so drastically in my own life, but also in truly being able to create change for other people. Wow. Yeah. I'm curious about how you know or how you help people know the difference between intuition and their busy mind that's telling them, you know, how do you know when there's something resonant that you need to follow? It's really, a, and it sounds so kind of woo-woo, but there's a deep knowingness that comes with it. And so if you look at a decision, it's usually easier to go back in the past. Like maybe you took a job or you were in a relationship and, you know, that relationship's gone now. And you ask yourself, did I truly do that because it was going to help me expand? Did it make me feel like almost energetically lighter? Or did I do it because I wanted to be important or because I was afraid of being alone, or I was fearful of not being able to pay rent. And it really, not that one decision is wrong or right sometimes, but depending on what type of life you want to live, when you're trying to decipher between intuition and just mental chatter, the mental chatter tends to come from someone else. It comes from our programming. Usually we can be like, that sounds a hell of a lot like my mom, <laughs> or, you know, I, that's a decision I make a lot. And it doesn't even feel right. Something about it, you're like, gosh, I just, I wish it could be another way. Yeah. But intuition is like, ah, oh, this is, this, I'm right where I need to be. This is good. Right. Wow. And as you're talking, I'm, I'm sensing that there's something to do with the mind and the body connection. And I know you do a lot of work in, in the psychosomatic field. Like, what, how do those two work together in this process? So if you're looking at actually rewiring like thoughts and beliefs, even outside of it physically manifesting the body, that's slightly different in the sense that you know, if someone feels like a tightness in their chest or if they're having like, you know, just aches and pains, those are definitely feedback mechanisms. Most often, like allergies, for example, are almost always psychosomatic. Our allergies are created from traumas or triggers from the past. It's not 
because we're literally allergic to something. And so, you know, there's certain things that tend to show up as such, but it's really just feedback, right? So anytime that our body is giving us feedback, whether it's that it's chronic at this point, you know, like heart disease, um, sometimes that can be made in the mind, psychosomatic, or, you know, sometimes um, even more serious ailments and also very simplistic ones. Um, Sometimes they're starting in the mind. Sometimes, of course, it's environmental. So I want to make sure I say that. But when you look at what is the actual root, you can see that the body's been giving the feedback all along because we're mind, body, and spirit as humans. So each one provides a feedback mechanism. And the body's actually, because, you know, we if someone chooses to believe that we're more than just our body or more than just this one existence, then the body is such an incredible tool that we've been gifted for at least this go around, maybe not always. So we have to pay massive attention to it because it's consistently giving us information. Hmm. Wow. And why, like, I mean, I find in the world these days, like so many of us are hanging out in our, our thinking brain, like our conscious mind and we're operating only from that center. And a lot of us forget that we're carrying around like this body with us. Why do you think that is? Like, why are people so based in the uh, the conscious thinking linear mind versus paying attention to their body? Well, and I hate to play the blame game, but society's really taught us to do that. And so, especially in Western culture, I should say. So if you look at, you know, how society starts us off, the body is like a tool, sometimes used improperly, right? Women use it to get what they want or we use it to feel good enough about ourselves. We use it to get to emotional states. And that's not to say that, say, eating healthy or going for a walk is not a beautiful way to change our state, you know, our emotional or mental state, but we manipulate it just like we tend to manipulate all things, people yeah. and experiences and ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so it's really just in that inauthenticity that we create the disconnect. Mm. I hear you. Yeah. And that word authenticity, I know that you reference this a lot. Um, I do. Yeah, I noticed that in, in your work. Like, what does that mean to you to live authentically versus inauthentically? So for me, it's more about being in alignment and that changes every day. You know, sometimes someone's like, well, this is my authentic self. So then they build a whole new like set of rules around it. So they had a whole set of rules in the inauthentic, you know, parts of themselves that made them unhappy. But then the authentic version, they get really stuck in certainty-based mindset into that it screws them up all over again once they're ready to grow again. And so it's this like very flexible lack of a box that you really live in where you're living intuitively. You're living in an alignment of these are the decisions I make today because they feel right today. And I honor myself and you know, self-love gets poured into that bucket and really just like knowing yourself and being okay with the twists and turns that you're going to take in that process that you're going to go into parts of yourself that aren't going to be authentic, but the journey is always authentic. Mm -hmm. And it's really in finding your core essence. Sometimes we have like these basic core values. Like some people are, you know, I'm really into integrity and just, you know, living a life that's based around love. And those are pretty core into my identity. And so that doesn't really change no matter how I look at my authenticity that day, but the love might look a little bit different. Mm. It might be that, you know, it's hard, tough love perceived or, you know, it shows up a little bit differently, but it's still uh, really that intuitive space that I'm pulling from to stay authentic. Wow. So for people that don't feel like they naturally gravitate towards their intuition, they're like intuition, authenticity, like I don't even know what she's talking about. Like how how do people start building that connection to that authenticity, that intuition? Like, what's the process look like? It really depends on the person as far as how how deep and far away from that intuitive space that they've really gotten. Because most often what I hear from people who are like, I don't even know what my intuition is, or it's really because they don't trust the intuition. They think that at some point, and usually it goes back to a trauma, maybe when they were five years old, they were living you know, intuitively, if you want to call it that. Life was good and free, and they went by their feelings, and then something happened, some type of trauma that kind of slapped them into it's not safe to be in that intuitive space or, you know, that heart space is really what it is. I need to be in my mind and calculating how to keep myself safe at all times. And so a lot of it is making sure that the psyche and the subconscious feel safe enough. And this is really where that love factor comes in, even in clinical settings, where if the psyche or really the subconscious, the unconscious mind feels safe enough, then it can start releasing some of those patterns or beliefs that It doesn't know how to read intuition or how to even tap into it because it's just, it is a muscle that needs to be strengthened and exercised, but it never goes away. It's just that we've piled so much programming on top of it saying, this is how you need to live your life. This is how you make sure that you stay safe or successful or, 
um, you know, lack of vulnerability, whatever that thing is that someone is running from. And once they realize that that's not going to equate to the life that they think they're getting towards by having those behaviors or those beliefs, then the pattern starts to break itself. And literally in the brain, the neurological pathways start to rewire and that intuition starts to birth itself. Wow. You know, I just hearing a little bit of your backstory and how you've come to this place of awareness, it's like, um, it's easy to talk about in an interview, but I can only imagine <laughs> this takes years to really cultivate a practice like yours where you're living from this place of manifestation. Is that accurate? Or do you find this is like an instant thing that people could just tap into and it's like the shift takes place? Well, I do have this reality or this belief that you're not time away from what you want. You're a vibration away. So it's similar to, you know, I mean, the human body is literally, we're electrical in nature and we are, you know, beacons of energy and information and frequencies. And so it's like changing the radio dial. You know how you can just go to a completely new station. The frequency is is different that's being sent out. It can happen that way. Hmm. Now, because the human brain perceives that it takes time to create change, really, and this is something my husband says all the time, says it doesn't take 10 years to create change. It takes 30 seconds to make the decision to make the change, but the change happens instantaneously. Oh, wow. So, you know, we, we get stuck in that, that belief of it's going to take a long time. I've got to unwire every part of myself or, you know, it's going to take me six months or whatever that looks like. And it's really up to the person. Sometimes the drop of a hat, and that's, you know, of course, what we saw when I was working more clinically was that within four hours, you can rewire, again, the neurological pathway and that in and of itself creates a new frequency that the body is emitting sometimes. And that changes how the environment interacts with them, thus changing their reality instantaneously, you know, perceivably. Wow. It almost feels like there's different levels of reality you're talking in here, like where so many of us are living so linearly, like this is the way it is. This is my experience. But under the surface, when you start speaking about like vibration and energy and whatnot, like it's the unseen that I sense is also somehow getting aligned with what we're thinking about or something. Is that accurate? <laughs> I'm just trying to interpret Absol- this. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, Nikola Tesla talks about that all the time. He's like, science will make more growth than it's ever made uh, in, in, in its entirety in, you know, a year's time or something like that if they would just study non-physical phenomena. You know, everything that shows up physically is a byproduct of what happened in the non-physical. And we always, and it's a beautiful thing, like it's not like, oh, we're all screwed, but it's beautiful that we see everything so tangibly that we have to feel the ground on our feet. That's a part of the human experience. That's why we're gifted with the 3D world, but yeah. it doesn't stop at the 3D world. It doesn't even start at the 3D world. It's just a component of it, but we've poured all of our energy into believing that whatever is physically in front of us is it. That's the finality, but it's not at all. Yeah, well, I almost sense there's like a magic that you have tapped into that allows these things to manifest in the physical form. Has that been your experience? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, it's it's a it's also physics. It's it's a mixture of metaphysics and quantum physics, and then of course, you know, when we hear and it gets so frustrating sometimes when someone who's like a guru, uh, you know, manifestation guru, and they're talking about like just love yourself and all these like really simple (laughs) things. They're true. They're profound, but they miss the process of how to break that down and get rid of all the crap that we're carrying. But it really is a mixture of science, psychology, and that magic that bring it all together sometimes for someone to finally release whatever they're white knuckling that's not serving them and allow for that magic to come in and trust that it can happen for them too. Wow. When you start talking about metaphysics, I'm I'm just curious. I hear I hear reference to metaphysics a lot, and more and mm-hmm. more so. What does that exactly mean? <laughs> what is that? So, metaf- well, physics in general, and you know, when you look at metaphysics, metaphysics is a lot of the studies of kind of that the seemingly woo-woo, and that's really where you know when I was in my early twenties studying with some incredible scientists, um, you know, people who could literally move clouds out of the sky by intention and these amazing monks and you know all this, you'd see so many people going at it a different way, going at this you know perception of creating the life that they want. And the one that I kind of fell into was more of you know the metaphysics of things of looking at how does the universe interact with 
everything. How do we interact with our energy and what does that look like in our environment? Because I wanted to bring something a little more solid, a little bit more scientific, but also it's very philosophical. You know, metaphysics is in many ways philosophical, but science is constantly disproving itself as well. So it's not much more concrete. It's really, we go back to our feelings to create the most truth. But I like that, that kind of solid or seemingly solid feeling that it's rooted in something that's slightly provable. And that was really where that, that idea of metaphysics being a part of creating the life that we want that actually plays into it came in. Right. Wow. Fascinating. I, I, I want to get back into the place of manifesting too and how to tap into that metaphysical world. Um, how do people do that? Like, I, Do you take people through that experience in the work you're doing? Yes, but it's not the way that they probably want it to be in the sense that we think, well, if I just do a couple mantras and I affirm that I'm a billionaire, that the money will come or something, right? That's We, we all want the quick fix. Right. And ultimately, mm-hmm. when we're looking at manifestation, yeah. And this idea of, you know, being in resonance with what we desire, you know, people talk about that a lot. It's about us changing our personal dominant frequency. And so if our dominant frequency is, let's say, dominantly negative or the thoughts that we have in our subconscious, you know, we might say consciously, I want to be a billionaire. I want the Lamborghini. I want the house on the hill. I want the soulmate. I want to, you know, do my purpose work. Those are beautiful things, and those are available to many humans. But ultimately, one, they're really just trying to get to an emotional state. So they get really stuck on, you know, let's say the the Lamborghini Mm. or the Aston Martin, thinking it's going to give them an emotional experience. And so once you show someone how to break down and dissolve the need to have something outside of themselves, and that really what they are craving is an emotional experience, they realize that they can they can create that in the now. They don't need to have the, the Lamborghini and then feel the emotion. They feel the emotion because it's obtainable in many beautiful ways. And then those things actually show up because they are now in resonance with it, which also what happens most often is that once people start to feel more whole within themselves and realize they can create emotional states you know, at the drop of a hat, the Lamborghini doesn't sound so enticing after all. And so that's really a part of my work is it's not about me showing someone how to make a ton of money or, you know, whatever it is. It's how to find their true alignment so that whatever is meant for them on their true, you know, resonant frequency can find them. Wow. That's amazing. What are some of the practices that help people tap into that emotional internal state of fulfillment? A lot of it is deprogramming. So we look at, well, I want, I want to manifest, how to manifest, but we forget that we're always manifesting. So we actually need to look at why and how we're counter manifesting. And so if someone wants to create emotions or experiences, then we've got to figure out what's stopping them because that's really going to the root. And that's what a lot of my work is, is how do we get to the core root instead of you know, trimming off the branches, which does take a lot of time. How do we go you know, to the bottom and just pull that whole sucker out? How do you and do so that? And so when I'm looking, yeah. <laughs> well, a lot of it is like the deprogramming, right? So if you're like, I want, um, I want to find my soulmate, right? Well, then we want to figure out what are all the beliefs around the soulmate? What are the ones that are sabotaging them? What are some of the patterns that they have around those situations? And you start breaking it down. And that's where, you know, what I teach a lot of my coaches that I've trained is it's intuitive coaching. It's where you're kind of digging into different parts of the psyche because the craziest of beliefs are why someone's life looks the way it does. It's never the same. So someone might be like, you know, I want to have my soulmate, but then you know, the belief is that love isn't safe. But the reason that they believe it could be because of something that happened when they were five. It could be because their parents divorced when they were 12. It could be because their friend kicked sand in their face when they were mm-hmm. 10. Like it's the weirdest of stuff that the brain just randomly goes, nope, not gonna do that, not going to create that, that's not safe. And it's that moment or that really belief, that thought pattern that has to be shifted. And so when you get to that root belief and you shift it, they stop interacting with things, you know, with direct relation, let's say again, to the whole love thing, they stop interacting with it the same way. And so when you don't dance with something the same way, it doesn't react the same way. And that's where the change can occur. You can start creating consciously instead of from, you know, past experiences. So when you say like that the shift will happen, is it is it basically somebody just becoming aware of the pattern that's running? Or is there something else taking place under the surface of just the awareness of it? Because I mean, 
if somebody's been running a pattern for like 20 years, let's say, and then they see it, like, is that where the shift happens or is there something else that's taking place? Um, yes and no. So when we would hook up, you know, someone's brain and we'd be reading some of the like biofeedback from them in real time, every once in a while, awareness would solve it. Awareness alone where they would go, oh my gosh, I can't believe that that's why I've been doing this. And you can feel the resonance that you can literally like feel them shift for some reason. It was such a profound piece of awareness for them that the brain immediately like starts pruning itself mm -hmm. and figuring things out. But most often it's through, you know, those habits. And that's where the time thing comes into play of do we need to create a pattern interrupt so that each time we want to go back into that mental space, maybe like we emotionally shut down um, or we start going into negative self-talk. There's got to be something that stops allowing for the reward to come in because the shutdown or the negative self-talk is actually a reward because it keeps someone in their sense of safety or certainty. But once you pattern interrupt it and they no longer get the same reward, then the brain's like, well, what the heck? Like, what do I do now? And so it creates a new behavior. And if you create new behavior consciously, then it starts rewiring it for you. Wow, that's so interesting. I love this idea of pattern interrupt, like to literally <laughs> interrupt the old pattern and to switch it. Some people have the weirdest of ones too. They'll like lay down on the ground and roll around like a fire truck screaming. I mean, I'll take a cold shower. Like the, the more crazy it is, the more effective it is because then your brain, it happens eventually. My husband would do this. I used to be really wired for guilt and I would like everything, all my decisions I made was if someone guilted me, then they got me, you know, they could get me to do anything. Mm -hmm. And he saw that pattern in me when we first met. And so he would like, he would poke me in the ribs, right? Wow. And whenever I would start kind of going down the guilt train and uh, he poked me, he'd be like, guilt, guilt, guilt. And so it trained my body and my brain literally to kind of turn in on my ribs and stopped a thought pattern because as soon as the, you know, the energy and frequency of guilt, which guilt does have a frequency, would kind of be introduced to my brain, um, I, would, I would collapse it really fast. So it helped me rewire it very quickly. Oh, that's so powerful. And it's, I love like, that it's like a physical, that was like a physical interruption of like, nope, we're not going to the guilt. Like, that's amazing. Yes. So eventually <laughs> that, that gets kind of ingrained, I guess, over time of repetition. And then how do you replace it? Is there like a, a moment of like, okay, instead of that, I'm doing this. Was, did any of that happen but, to you? Yeah, the easiest thing that I've done is, and we kind of call it like the higher space. It's, you know, you can call it whatever you want. But basically when you're in that clear state, that mental state, maybe it's like, now when you like wake up in the morning and everything's quiet and you just feel like, ha, ah, you can take deep breaths and things just feel good. Yeah. So you're looking for those moments in your day or in your life, no matter how few and far between they are. And you basically only trust your mind in that state because that's probably the state you want to walk around in, right? So why would we even listen to the thoughts in all of the more fearful or anxiety stricken ones? So when I'm in that state, I'll ask myself as many questions as I can. So sometimes I'll go back to, okay, you know, I'm, I'm feeling just absolutely incredible about myself or my life right now. You know, what would this version of me say about this situation? You know, what would it say about the guilt? What would it say about, um, you know, creating this thing that I, I want in my life? And I only trust that advice and information. And sometimes you can even ask yourself, what would be the true pattern interrupt, you know, in that moment? And you play around with it. And really, that's where you start trusting yourself. And, you know, therapists and counselors and coaches work themselves out of a job, hopefully, in this, that the answers are really within. We can find all that once we, you know, move this stuff out of the way so that we can always ask ourselves because we actually have the best answers. Wow. So in your in your example of the guilt and being poked in the ribs to, to shift it, what how, what did you live into after that? Like, how did what did you do? What ended up? Being new pattern. Uh, well, a lot of it, I mean, it literally when you break a pattern, especially one that really runs more areas of your life than, you know, because if you think about it, like the guilt was showing up in my relationships that was with family, with, you know, friends, um, intimate partners, the types of friends that I would carry with me because, yeah. you know, you don't abandon a friend that needs you, even if they're soul sucking. Right. Huh. And so literally relationships completely changed the guilt of staying in my job when I don't want to because they, you know, I perceive they need me, which also met a weird need of mine. Right. Well, then that started to shift itself and the need to help people who didn't want to be helped. Well, that removed itself. So literally just one shift 
completely can change your life because it's something that's running more than you ever could consider. And so for me, it was literally changing um, the types of clients that I had and the fulfillment I had in my life, having healthier boundaries with my family and removing a lot of people that were really, really not meant to go on this path with me. Wow. It sounds kind of edgy that you would like, you know, literally (laughs) kick some people to the curb that are not serving you and then living into what it is that you know you want to be living into, knowing that that old pattern's no longer serving you. Like that's edgy work that you're doing to to step into that. It is. Yeah. It really is. But it's done with love. You know, I mean, I want to say that. Yeah, absolutely. There were some people that were like, I mean, they were really vexatious for me, and I'm sure that I was for them in many ways, too. You know, it takes two to tango. But a lot of, you know, with my family, it was such a beautiful healing because I'd realized that I hadn't had an authentic relationship with many of my family members anyway. And so by breaking that, it wasn't like, you're kicked to the curb, you know, never see you again, get out of my life. It was, we've got to break down this relationship so that we can rebuild a new one and a healthier one and one that serves both of us. And once they saw that it wasn't Mandy's abandoning me or she's high and mighty, it was, wow, this actually feels like for the first time we're connecting and I'm growing too. And I want to go on this journey with her or, you know, I want to start my own journey. And so you actually kind of light the way for your loved ones to choose, you know, a better life. And that, of course, depends on where you're at. I was not living a very beautiful life at the time. So we were all like, yeah, this is happening. We're growing. And, <laughs> you know, some people were like, no, I'd rather rather stay in my unhappiness. And that's okay. And I love them from afar. But I don't want that in my immediate circle because I know what that does to my life. I can't hold my ground when that's near me. Yeah. Wow. Well, and you mentioned the word love and I know a lot of the more recent work you're doing, I mean, around the book too, is is all around this idea of being love-based and the methods of being love-based. Um, can you speak a little more about that too? Just reminding me as you're talking about how you shifted things. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? I have to say this too, because I've seen love get thrown around a lot in the past few years yeah. and I'm like, oh dang, this sucks. You know, it's kind of like authenticity. It's like, if you see it at its core, it's so powerful. It's so beautiful. But when it's thrown around wrong, it just it doesn't feel right. And so yeah. the reason that love really poured in for me outside of it being just who I was, you know, since I was a child, my mom would always say that she's like, you just had this amazing capacity to love people. And it, it was very healing. And so of course, naturally, love is healing. Unconditional love is healing. And when I was working clinically with you know individuals, people who had been carrying something for years, or they'd been in therapy for decades, and I was like, this is, it feels wrong, but I have no idea, you know, why or how to solve this. And each time that I would get into the room with that individual, I would literally just fill the room up with this understanding, this compassion, this non-judgment, and this deep form of what I call love. Maybe it's something else. I don't know. Hmm. But it feels like a beautiful form of love that I had never experienced in my life prior, but it was kind of birthed from within me and it felt so divine. Hmm. And so... What I would notice, though, is that when the love was present, and this is what I would be telling you, the psychiatric nurses or the scientists and stuff that would shadow me and be like, how are you doing this work? And I'd be like, I love these people. That's what's going on. And they're like, shut up, whatever. And <laughs> wow. I'm like, when you do that, though, it, like I said earlier, it really it releases something in people to finally be like, I'm safe. Wow. I can heal. Yeah. I can go there. And it's really incredible what it does to someone's psyche in that moment when Usually, and I'm sure, you know, most people can agree with this, when you start getting triggered or you start talking about a past trauma or a part of yourself that you don't really like, you start getting really like closed in. You shut down and usually jump into maybe like a persona or uh, you get combative or whatever that looks like. But when love is present and it's a very specific form of love, all of that kind of melts away and you can finally get to the roots. You can shift it. Wow. That's really powerful what you're saying. And the specific kind of unconditional love that you're talking about, how do you, um, especially when you're going into work with a client or just in your life, how do you live into that? Or, I mean, you said you are that, and I would agree. How do you remember and activate that consciously so that it, it fills up the room? What's that? Yes. I love, I love this question. A lot of my coaches ask that. They're like, so how do I like really get in that space and prepare before I get on a call or I go into an event? Totally. And it's, it's like that higher self practice is what I call it. And so for me, it was always, it's not like I 
literally walk around like in this extremely high vibrational love space. I'm still human and I wake up with loops in my head and I've got to rewire them and, and all that jazz. But when I go into, I call it service mode, it's like when you see a human in pain and, you know, and this is a really specific form of work, I guess, too, because maybe some people don't have this in them. But when I see a human in pain, I don't want to go and solve all their problems and save them because I can't save them. Mm. But I want to hold them to a space that they have every possibility to change their life, that they have every possibility to know that they are loved and that they are perfect and that they do deserve what they desire. And when you have that type of like genuine compassion and care for another human, something just naturally comes out of you. So it it's really right before I would jump into, you know, a large event, um, I would just sit with myself and I would think about each soul and remember why I feel, why I'm blessed with that feeling and that I'm here to give it to other people. And so it was really just this reminder of recentering myself and remembering how much I do love humanity and how much I want to remove the pain that humanity has as I remove the pain that I had. And I would never want anyone to feel the ways that I felt in my life. And if I've been gifted with the ability to get people through that, then I damn sure better be working on it every day and giving it to other people. And so it's really just that reminder that kind of gets someone into that space. And maybe it's that they sit and they meditate for 20 minutes or, you know, they pray to their form of God but everyone's got a little bit of a different practice, but it's really just for me getting into that space and remembering who I am. I love it, Mandy. Just you talking about it is moving me into that state. It's just, oh, <laughs> I feel like I just want to sit in that love vibe. It's so good. Um, <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah. And, and like the book that you wrote, it, Love, It's How I Manifest, right? Um, mm -hmm. how, tell me a little bit about the process of what that was like to write that book and what you were hoping to like uh, share with the world through it. This is going to sound kind of funny, I think, but I literally woke up one day and um, I, you can call it my intuition or the universe or whatever. It was kind of screaming at me and said, you need to write a book. Yeah. And I was like, oh, like that sounds like such a huge endeavor. And um, so every day I would get up and I'd just write a part of it. And within uh, three months, the entire book was written and I actually got kind of weird about it. And I told, I decided we were like, okay, so should we go ahead and give this over to this really incredible publisher or should we self-publish? And I had no ego about it. And I was like, I really feel like we're supposed to self-publish because no one's allowed to change the words in the book. It's really important the way that I wrote it. I don't know why, but it just is. And I had to honor it as part of my intuitive nudge. And so when we had editors, even in the self-publishing, you know, going through it, they're like, this is not grammatically correct. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. It's probably driving you insane, <laughs> but we can't change it. So it is what it is. And then literally once the book was published, um, I kind of just set it there and said, okay, that's my work and God or universe or whoever, like I did it and let me know if there's anything else I need to do with it. And it, it, that was kind of it at that point. And now I'm, you know, working on another book, but it wasn't like a, personal endeavor or goal that I had. It was just something that kind of like energetically vomited right out of me. <laughs> I could totally relate <laughs> to that. I get it. And that's a courageous path that you, what I'm really appreciating about it is how you courageously followed your intuition, like practicing what you've been talking about here and put it out there so strongly that you would even say to like a, an editor, like, nope, we're, we're not changing that word. Um, I personally find sometimes it's really hard to stand in that truth of intuition when you're up against a world that sometimes wants to pull you in a direction for whatever reason. How do you navigate that? How do you stand strong? I can sense like that, that courage to stand strong and authentic in what you know to be true. Thank you for seeing that in me. And a lot of it came down to me being able to create a perspective shift within myself. So you know, we always see through our own eyes, but normally those are the most blind. And so when I looked at, well, you know, the world needs to see me this way, or I've got to be this type of person, it always felt so like, ugh, like that doesn't totally feel right, you know, and I don't want someone else who might, let's just say someone ever looks up to me, that they think that they need to fit within a certain box too, because I've, I've taught them to do the same. And so a lot of it was, looking at it from a different perspective or, you know, like elevating myself and saying, 
is there something grander going on here? And am I cool with adhering to that power instead of the power of, you know, humans and you know all of the crazy things we tell ourselves? So that made it really easy for me to say, regardless of how I feel, I may not know why I feel it. This is why I have to do it. And, you know, that's been with every program I've ever created um, and every, you know, I, I look at this incredible, you know, I have a, a seven figure business now and it literally has never been hard except for when I tried to go into those weird mental spaces. It was always intuitive. I took crazy risks and I just trusted it, whatever it was supposed to be. There was never a point where I said, well, it's got to be, you know, this type of business or it's got to look like that or I want to make this amount of money. It was always just how can I serve? How can I stay in that space of feeling so high vibrational and so in integrity and so me? And the rest just took care of itself. And it was so much more beautiful than I could have ever imagined or my human mind could have created for myself. But it was, yeah, I mean, it was always looking at how else can I see this? You know, yeah, some, you know, an editor who knows totally what they're talking about. They're telling me one thing. But I have to remember that I'm feeling different about it and I'll just honor it and I'll be okay with however the outcome is. But I'll know at least that I loved and honored myself enough to choose that. Wow. I love that there's like this sort of unattachment to the final outcome, knowing that you're just trusting what what is to be true, like in the intuitive. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, and yeah. I'm sure I'm sure many things have gone out the window in that process too, but I don't know any difference. So I'm cool with it. Right, right. It's just a really like present moment type of practice I'm hearing, which is really amazing. Yeah. I I'm curious right now, being in the position you're in, um, what right now is like your most uh, resonant challenge? What's most challenging about being in the work you're doing right? Now? I would say it would be being pregnant, actually. So oh, I'm pregnant. Wow. Um, yeah, I'm okay. eight months pregnant, so I'm almost I'm almost dead. But you know, I thought that I had this. Re- I mean, I had this. I have this incredible and beautiful life. And um, last year, when my husband and I moved to Laguna Beach, and that was just a crazy cool story in and of itself. Um, I got pregnant. We were thinking that we would be starting to try this year. So I actually realized not consciously at the time until I became pregnant. I was like, Oh, I had a plan and it, you know, it's not going according to plan anymore. And so I had so many events I was flying, supposed to fly all over the world. And, you know, my clients just come first, like my business is one of my babies. And so it was this extreme surrender that I had to have in really giving up, you know, my body and parts of my consciousness to another soul without, knowing what that was supposed to look like. So it was this huge growth. And when I looked at that reality and that growth that's happened over, you know, the past eight months, I've grown so, so much, but it was, it was truly, especially in those first few months, that first trimester will get you. Mm. It was this huge surrender. And I actually realized there was so much more of me that still actually liked to control things. Mm. I just had removed a lot of it, but I was still, there was a control freak sitting in there somewhere. And so I had to actively work through that while, you know, also dealing with hormones. Yeah. And that was, that was a really cool thing. I'm like someday, not today, but someday I, I need to write a book and help some women through this. Cause this is crazy. Yeah. But now it's turned into a beautiful thing. And so now I'm like, was that even hormones or was that just a part of my programming, you know, coming up and surfacing to be healed? Wow. I'm, I'm blown away by how you show up so vulnerably and truthfully and you, you're using your story as an example to inspire us to live similarly in terms of like manifesting with love, being open in the present moment of what shows up with love to transform with love. It's just, it's like absolutely remarkable. I, um, for people that want to do work with you, I know that you have a few different programs that you're offering. Can you can you share a little bit about that as well? Yeah, of course. Um, so we've got lots of different events that are going going on right now. I don't, um, I'm not able to participate in them. I should say right now. <laughs> so uh, some of my my top coaches are out um, right now. We're mainly in the U.S., but we jump around to Europe as well. Um, so there's always something amazing going on live, and then we've got lots of different automated online programs. There's this one that's called the authentic creation program. That is like that birthed it all. And it was such an amazing program. And I would wake up every day and I'd write one lesson. This was when I was living in Sedona and years ago. 
And it was such, and I just, I still, it's like my baby program. I just, I absolutely love it. And it's, you know, quote unquote, how to manifest, but really what I'm teaching is how to rewire your brain and how to, you know, feel the way you want to feel. And that spanned out into, you know, health programs and parenting programs. Now we work with some neuroscientists on some really cool different stuff. We've got a money program coming out with um, this woman who literally created money coaching so we're always cooking up something crazy and amazing. Um, we have a coaching certification program. A lot of therapists and psychiatrists and counselors and coaches will go through that. So we kind of have a lot going on. <laughs> yeah, it's been pulled to quite a bit in the past few months to create. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Pulled by this vision. Where can people find this? Is it online? Like all these different programs? Yes. I would say the best, and it's so weird because all my clients are like, will you freaking post your events? Because I just literally say intuitively, I'm like, we need to do an event. And then it fills up. Oh, but wow. I don't have like a yearly <laughs> schedule. I'm, I'm that, you know, crazy about it. But um, MandyMorris.love is my website. And so there's some information there. It's going through a wonderful remodeling as well. And then we've got a new site coming up that has all of our coaches. Um, that's AuthenticLivingForLife.com. Okay. And then that will have just the next few events that we've got popped up and then all of our programs on there. But right now, MandyMorris.love and then um, the Facebook page as well. But I always kind of I like when the programs come out and I first give them to, you know, my client base and they make sure that it's like rocking their world and we make tweaks first and then we'll focus on expanding it out. So I'm I'm a little bit of a nut when it comes to quality control as well. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, and clearly, I mean, you're birthing a lot of, into the world right now, clearly. It's amazing. <laughs> literally. I it. Literally and like in so many ways. Like, yeah, it's incredible. I Wow, I'm just such a, I'm blown away with what you're doing. I also want to encourage, you. I want to encourage people to pick up your book, Love, It's How I Manifest, which is uh, in stores, Amazon. Is that the best place to get all that? Yeah, I would say Amazon, and there's Kindle on there as well. It's in a few stores throughout California, but not in Barnes & Noble or anything. Okay, got it. Wow. Mandy, thank you for showing up in the world at this time and being such a light and thank a manifester you. and teaching us all of that as well. It's just uh, it's a real, real um, honor to be speaking with you today. Thank you. Wow, thank, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Yeah. All right. Everybody, go check Mandy out. She's got some seriously inspirational love to share with you. So check it out. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Mandy as much as I did. And I hope you'll go check out her work and that she continues to inspire you. Hopefully her words landed at the perfect time for you. Exactly what you needed to hear. Speaking of that, I invite you to go check out my daily intentions that happen. Every single day off of my website, it's a free morning quote that starts your day off right. You can subscribe to them at keithmcpherson.ca. And speaking of subscribing, make sure that you subscribe to my podcast, Let's Connect, so that you don't miss an upcoming episode. And uh, further, please have an awesome week ahead and spread love wherever you go. Spread love and live your best life. Thanks, everyone. Have a wonderful week.